Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, also known as the Node Defender, is joining us. And somebody who needs no introduction on our channel, a Fox Business correspondent and longtime friend of the Good Morning Crypto Show, Ellie Tourette is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm very excited for today's episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how today the SEC is holding meetings with exchanges to finalize comments submitted for the Bitcoin spot ETF. While some of the largest companies on the planet are shifting into digital assets because it could be generating massive profits over the next 18 months. And with the largest financial firms on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcasts, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, not only do we have an exciting guest, we got the exciting news prepared as well as Bitcoin spot ETFs the topic of conversation this morning. That's what we're starting the show with. But first of all, how are you feeling, my friend? Thanks for being here. Abs up, feeling great. I'll start like we always do. Good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love and appreciate you guys for showing up every single day. And I'm super excited not only to be here with Mario, but we've got a longtime guest. She took some time off, but she's back and we got her here. So I can't wait to hop into it with Ellie as well. Very excited, Johnny and Mario. We're going to talk about the ETF news, but our XRP holders, they want to know about the flash clash as well. So we'll be breaking that down. How are you feeling this morning? Thanks for being here, man. Good morning. Feeling great, man. Thanks for asking. Sending love to everybody out there. It's great to be on today with Abs, Johnny, and Ellie. And yeah, it looks like XRP is not a stable coin at 62 cents after all. We are able to break down. Now, we want to go the opposite direction, but that's a different topic. But let's get the show on the road. Love you guys. Mario, you're bringing the hard truth this morning. It's undeniable, my friend. But Ellie, first of all, welcome back and Happy New Year. How are you feeling this morning and, and what's on your mind? Good morning, guys. <laughs> I wanted to do that for so long. I'm good. Ellie, that's trademarks. You owe me five cents now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just okay. kidding. I'm just kidding. So I'm feeling great. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. Great to be back on with you guys, especially. And I'm feeling awesome. It's a lot of news out today. And uh, since I got back, it's just been nonstop, but I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. So, quick outlook on 2024. Are you excited? Are you more optimistic than 2023? What's your perspective? Yes, I'm more optimistic than 2023. You know, I'll speak from a from a personal standpoint. I am very optimistic about 2024. I feel good things to come uh, with the crypto industry as well. I think it can only, I mean, I'm not going to try and jinx it, so I'm going to knock on wood, but I think it can only go up from here. There's so much positive momentum, I believe, coming. And with the headlines we're seeing now, it just seems so much more positive than it was in 2023 on the back end of the FTX. We, like if you think about this time last year, we were still digesting what happened with SBF and FTX, still reeling from the Terra Luna crash. So, you know, things are looking pretty good right now. But as I say, I don't want to jinx it. So, And we're going to break down the Pompliano video. And don't worry, she knocked on wood, guys. You can't jinx it if you knock on wood. We already got 404 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do, by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. Johnny, when we look at the Daily Movers today, this pretty much speaks for itself. It is red bubbles across the board. BNB token and ICP are the only green bubbles. That's what we're looking at this morning. When we check out our Merlin market update, we are sitting at $1.62 trillion in total market cap. Yes, we're down about $100 billion in the last 24 hours. Bitcoin is sitting at 51% dominance. Ethereum is about 16%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 42400 Ethereum is 2200 BNB tokens, 315 
We got Solana back below $100, sitting at $98. And XRP had a flash crash this morning, went to $0.53, cents, currently sitting at $57. And that's typically what we see here, guys. Even during a bull market, and Ellie, you know this better than anybody, during these bull markets, we get these 30% pullbacks. We saw it with Bitcoin. We see it with the altcoins every single time. But let's get right into the breaking news of today because I want to discuss your tweet. This is blowing up right now on Twitter, and I think it's worth addressing at the beginning of the show. The SEC is holding meetings today with the exchanges, NASDAQ, CBOE, and the New York Stock Exchange to finalize comments on the 19B-4S submitted by the Bitcoin spot ETF issuers. So, Ellie, first of all, for somebody who's not familiar with exactly what that means, can you break it down very simply? And then what's really happening behind the scenes? Can we anticipate an approval by the end of January, in your opinion? In my opinion, yes. And I'm not hearing anything to the contrary that says the SEC is about to do an 11th hour about face on these ETF approvals. But as I always say, would never be surprised by anything the SEC does. And obviously, at the end of the day, it's very at their behest to do whatever they see is right. So with that said, I heard from a very good source that the SEC is indeed holding meetings today with the exchanges who are going to list these potential, potentially list these Bitcoin spot ETFs, the NASDAQ, the CBOE, and the NYSE. And the point of those calls and those meetings is to finalize comments on the 19B4s that were submitted a couple of weeks ago by the issuers. So there's two documents here that the issuers had to send to the SEC. There was the S1s and the 19B4s. So the 19B4s, I believe, are uh, under the Division of Trading and Markets, and the S1s are under the Division of uh, Corporation Finance. So two separate divisions in the SEC are overseeing this entire process. So this is just you know part A, there's part A and part B, and, and this is part A. Um, so that looks to me, if they're finalizing comments, you know that's at least more momentum that they're gonna come forward and say, okay, well, we've given these comments, here are our suggestions, implement them, and then we will or will not approve. But like I said, there's there's two parts to this. So the 19B4s, the S1s, everything at the end of the day has to be finalized in order for these things to start trading. Um, but this is definitely a positive sign, uh, especially after the news we got this morning from that little known fintech services company in Singapore, I believe. Uh, I'm obviously going to forget the name. That's why I wrote it down. It's Matrixport. They came out and said that there's a possibility that these things could get an 11th hour disapproval by the SEC, right? But the research that was done, it was really based on the amount of Democrats that there are on the commission. Obviously, there's three Demo Democrats, two Republicans, and that seemed to be the, the sticking point for, for this research report that because the Democrats traditionally are opposed to crypto as opposed to the Republicans, that this could be, there was really no reason for a Bitcoin spot ETF to be approved if the Democrats are in majority. But from everything I'm hearing from the uh, reporting that I've done, from the reporting that the Bitcoin, uh, sorry, Bitcoin, the Bloomberg analysts have done, uh, James and Eric, there's no information to suggest that there will be a disappro disapproval or are they going to kick this can down the road? Although it's all, it is a possibility that if we don't get an approval, we might get a delay. But, you know, it's it's looking positive from everything that I've seen so far anyway. And I think a lot of people were worried yesterday when we showed the Jim Cramer clip of him finally supporting Bitcoin. Not only did he call it a technological revolution, he said it was here to stay. And obviously, I'm joking, guys. But the reality is that that indicator never fails. And so I want to ask you for from a regular, everyday perspective, when you look at Bitcoin, I think there's a lot of people who are waiting for the price to go up before the validation came in. So I have a lot of regular everyday people who aren't even involved with crypto that are starting to now approach me and talk about Bitcoin, even talk about Ethereum. They're not into the altcoins at all yet, right? Obviously, they're not talking about XRP, but that's how everybody enters this market. So I think the higher Bitcoin rises, the more validation it gets from the everyday retail investor. And it's news that you provided this morning like this that only validates it even further. Do you genuinely believe, and this is what I have, it's obviously an opinionated question here, but do you genuinely believe that all of these institutions are lining up and ready to enter this market? Or is this one of those things where it's buy the rumor, sell the news? Because typically in this market, when we get exciting news, there is a pullback. And that's what we're anticipating. We even said it on our show. When a gold ETF was launched, the next six, uh, the next 90 days were bearish. But obviously, it's a short-term issue. So we want to provide the perspective to the everyday investor that even if a Bitcoin ETF comes out and the price pulls back 30%, that's not bad news, guys. That's typical behavior for these assets. And that's what I wanted to get your opinion on. Would that make you worried? Would that be typical for you? What's your perspective? I wouldn't 
be worried if that were the case. I was speaking to Anthony Pompliano yesterday, who was on Fox Business with Clayman, and he said he expects, a, he's been a longtime Bitcoin watcher, right? He said he expects possibly a pullback if there is an approval, but with a lot of this actually like priced in already. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's not uncommon. This stuff does happen quite a bit when these things get approved. So I wouldn't be shocked. I think, you know, it's the biggest indicator of positive news for me or like the, the, the reason I'm you know, bullish on, on why this is so good for crypto is because you've got all these big names in now. It's not, I mean, once upon a time it was BlackRock was the big headline. I think they are still pretty much the big headliner, right? BlackRock with Larry Fink at the helm, who once upon a time said Bitcoin and crypto was for money launderers and scammers. He was basically on the on the same plane as Gary Gensler when he came to his opinion on crypto. But we've also got Wisdom Tree, Fidelity, Invesco, Vanek, all these very established Wall Street firms who see the longevity in, in at least Bitcoin, right? And, and like you said, if you start in Bitcoin, you're not necessarily going to start in the altcoins. You're going to go to the ones that are, you know, most popular, most valuable, most trusted. And, and Bitcoin is definitely at the top of that list. So even if there is a pullback, you know, I think at the end of the day, this is only good for the industry, for Bitcoin, and probably only up from here. Yeah, at the end of the day, there's only one fact you need to know, Abs. 99% of the ETFs that BlockRock applies for, they get. It's close. It's coming, boys. It's coming. It's just a matter of time. When will we get it? Will we get a denial next month or this month? Okay, maybe we will. It'll pull the price down. I told you that I thought we were going down from January to March anyway in the crypto market. I think we'll be going down, and that's when we'll flip it around and go the other way. Don't be surprised if they fought to do whatever they got to do to drive the prices down. You always get that last bear trap or bull trap before we go into the into the euphoric fight phase and i think that's what you're going to see happen so i won't be surprised if we hear some fud abs you know things don't sound good they make it look like oh yeah it's not coming guys the whole everybody behind the scenes has this thing ready to go it's only a matter of if not it's only a matter of when not if and i think mario and johnny know this phrase very well when in doubt zoom out look at the price chart for bitcoin guys these things they can't go up forever and the last four months has been actually five months That's has right. been nothing but bullish momentum going from about twenty five thousand to earlier this week we reached forty six thousand dollars in value for bitcoin it is totally typical even during a bull market to see a 30 percent pullback and then have prices rise and what's going to happen when we get a catalyst like this mario massive demand there's absolutely no doubt that when institutions show up with their bags of capital and are ready to purchase bitcoin we're going to see demand like we've never seen before. And we're going to get into the marketing aspect of this whole thing, Ellie. I'm really excited to talk to you about that. Because when you look at how much spending goes into crypto ads during a bull market, it's dramatically higher than a bear market. So we're going to compare the numbers and break it down. But Mario, what's your whole perspective on this ordeal? Is Bitcoin due for a, for a short-term pullback after the ETF news? Or what are you anticipating? Well, I think, I think the charts have been showing that we were due for some kind of pullback. Uh, I believe the sentiment, as you just showed, you know, going four months straight uh, green, that tells me that at some point we were we were bound to have a correction. So I'm not surprised that we got this, uh, you know, somewhat big red candle today. It's not abnormal for us to get even 30% corrections in a bull run uptrend. So I'm still waiting to see if we're going to get that this time. I believe this whole ETF news I, for me personally, I can't wait for it to be done and over with. Like I want another narrative. Like I've been hearing the CTF stuff since 2021 and it's dragged on all the way until now, which is positive because we're at the beginning of the bull run. So it's definitely a positive picture that it's painting in the crypto space. I think it's going to get approved. As Johnny said, it's a matter of when, not if anymore. I believe it's going to paint a really nice picture uh, in for Bitcoin and obviously therefore the crypto space. And is it priced in already? Probably, but we're just reaching that fair value, in my opinion, for Bitcoin. We were severely undervalued going into the the bull uh, into the bear market, I should say. And now, as we go into this bull market, we really got to start paying attention whenever it starts to feel overvalued and euphoric. Mario, a lot of people don't know you're actually the longest crypto investor on the team. I think you entered the market in like late 2017 or something like that. So yeah. you know better than anybody that the only difference between this time around, well, not the only difference, one of the biggest differences between this time around in 2017 
was the fact that this narrative came and it wasn't a spot ETF. It was a general ETF you came sure. at the end of the bull market. What's so yes. exciting about right now is it's coming at the end of a bear market. We're about to get a bull run just looking at the charts. Yeah. And now we have all this institutional demand. But before we move on to some of our topics for today, I want to kick it right back to you, Mario. As a long-term investor, specifically in XRP, look at what happened today. And you're very familiar with this as well. XRP, everybody's looking at it saying, are we going to break out? We're looking very bullish. Out of nowhere in a two-hour period, we dropped 10 cents. We dropped from about 63 cents in value to 53 cents in value. And I titled this video a flash crash because that's exactly what it is. I don't know what else you would call an ordeal like this. Yeah. But I just wanted you to provide your perspective. As somebody who's held XRP for seven years, eight years, whatever it is at this point. Yeah. Is this bearish? Is this bullish? Is this typical behavior? And how do you feel about sitting here in 2023 still experiencing the same things you went through nearly five, six, seven, eight years ago? So it's definitely frustrating. And I guess it's more frustrating because in the last bull run, XRP investors kind of missed out, right? Uh, I mean, we went all the way from 20 cents to $1.80, whatever that high was. So that's pretty remarkable right there. But the reason why I say we missed out is because we were supposed to have gone higher. If 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 XRP had kind of followed the 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 remaining uh you know the rest of the crypto market, we were supposed to have gone much higher. So that's the part that makes me feel frustrated. As far as the cycle, this is actually the first time that I'm in this part of the cycle because I got in late 2017. So I experienced the last two two months of the bull run before we capitulated, and then I stepped away from crypto. It wasn't until early 20 or late 2020. So we were already past the uh the bitcoin having so this is the first time that i'm literally experiencing a full bear market and then transitioning into a full bull run so although this part is new i am happy that um i've been able to position myself and that i'm going into the bull run and we're going into the bull run and i'll know what to do because i've already been through it twice so shame on me if i mess up again <laughs> johnny i do want to defer to you for some comments but i want to kick it to ellie just really quick because ellie i want to ask you about the suppression you think it has nothing to do with price action. I think it's a genuine narrative. And we've seen big companies like Grayscale acknowledge this. They had XRP products in the works at the SEC and XRP Trust. And they had another diversified product that was 30% Bitcoin, 30% Ethereum, 10% Solana, XRP, Cardano, and so on. And they removed XRP from that trust and they removed it from that basket of goods as well once the lawsuit came. And the reason that they cited for removing it wasn't because the SEC's opinion. They said they couldn't get liquidity. There wasn't anywhere to convert their XRP to US dollars. And for that reason and that reason alone, supposedly, they re they revoked those applications. So the question that I have for you is obviously that applied to the suppression. We only went to $1.90 and you're no, TA is not what your expertise is. You're an expert journalist, an expert at bringing people new information. But I just want to ask your opinion on the suppression. Is that a real narrative from your perspective? Because companies like Grayscale weren't able to launch those types of assets in the USA. Yeah, I think that's definitely a narrative that is plausible and makes sense. I mean, if you look at the lawsuit that was brought three years ago now in the first place against Ripple, right, for what were those reasons, right? So we're pretty much nearing the end of that lawsuit. Hopefully in 2024, it will come to a conclusion. We will see. We'll talk about that later. But there were a lot of conflicts of interest. Obviously, I don't have to tell you guys. You guys know all about it. The Hinman documents with everything going on with this uh potential Eastgate stuff, the Dow report, you know, there's definitely involvement, I think, you know, from, from the top levels of the powers that be that suppress these things, right? I mean, there's there's interest in, in seeing certain things succeed and interest in, um, you know, maybe seeing others not so much. So I wouldn't be surprised is, is my, I'm going to take that stance on it, you know, if if suppression like that is is actually going on. So you know, again, like you said, not my not my area of expertise, but um, from everything I've seen, I think it's definitely definitely plausible. Yes. And Johnny, that's why I love to ask Ellie's perspective, because like she said, it's not even her area of expertise, but it's so obvious it's almost undeniable. And so I'd like for you to close out this topic before we move into some topics for today. Yeah, I mean, I think when, when you look at all the preparation that's going on and you look at the engagement that the SEC, when Kathy Woods was talking about it the other day, the kind of engagement that they were getting from the SEC office typically isn't what they have seen in the past. All the indicators are there that we're getting something that, that it will be coming. And as you mentioned earlier, Abs, when that comes, and we've been saying for a while on this show, that's going to bring instant credibility to this space. Right now, it's considered, you know, a scam space. It's not real. It's just for a bunch of, you know, nerds who play in the space. But the reality is the big boys have grasped it. They've got their fingers around it. 
They're ready to play. They're ready to make their money off of it to take your money, right? Don't forget, the markets are nothing more than a big pool of money, and the smart people get to take it. That's what's happening here. And so the smart people will manipulate it to take your money. So make sure you have an exit plan so that you know how to play this game and take some profits when you can because it is not going straight up. It's going to be an up and down type. You know, you know, we've seen the charts. We all know what they look like. You have to be smart and you have to know when to sell because, man, when they pump this thing and it feels great abs, nobody's going to want to sell. And that's when you should be selling. It's very hard to do, though. Guys, no, nobody believes the trauma you can have from watching your portfolio do a two, three, five X, and then watching it go back below your initial investment. Take profits. It's not even about selling all of your crypto. Lock in a little bit of capital. It makes you feel much better. That has nothing to do with us. It doesn't profit us in any way. We're just sharing our perspective. We got 703 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to start breaking down this interview with Anthony Pompliano right here. Here we go. Investments, Anthony Pompliano. All right. So here, here's what we're hearing, and here's what you predicted just a couple of months ago on the claim and countdown. You said it would be a, a bunch of them. Yes. And let them all fight it out. Charlie Gasparino's sources saying Kathy Wood of ARK Investments, because her application was officially done first. Uh, my sources were telling me BlackRock, GBTC, and Kathy Wood. All right, who's it going to be? Have you changed your opinion at all? I, I don't know exactly who's going to go first. What I think they should do is they should approve everyone, right? If you're going to allow the free market to make decisions in this country, then we shouldn't have regulators picking winners and losers. We don't need kingmaker. Just approve everyone, let them go fight it out. Now, what's interesting is there's estimated between $15 billion and $100 billion of assets that are going to go into these ETFs over the coming years, which means that the fee revenue every year could be $500 million to a $1 billion. And so if you do that, that's $500 million to a $1 billion every single year. How much money would you spend now to get those assets and have them be sticky? We're probably going to see hundreds of millions of dollars spent on marketing in the next 12 to 18 months by these Wall Street organizations saying, if you want to buy a spot Bitcoin ETF, come buy it with me and not my competitors. And I think that is just something that we haven't seen in finance. It's going to be the greatest marketing blitz ever. All right, Ellie, we got to talk about that before we roll the rest of the video, because he says a bunch of great things. But let's start there. When we talk about the marketing campaign we saw in 2021, I think that's going to pale in comparison to these next couple of years. What's your perspective as a journalist that's very, very familiar with the people in this space? Do you see that narrative lining up correctly? And then I'll give my take. Absolutely. I mean, we haven't even seen the Bitcoin spot ETF approvals happen yet. And we've got half of them advertising coming out with TV commercials, radio commercials. There's talk of Super Bowl commercials as well. So you've already got this big marketing push happening before it's even approved. Imagine when they are approved and the money comes flooding in, like like Pomp said, you know, that amount of money is just it's incredible. And I think it's just only going to keep going up, people are only going to keep spending more and more when they realize, okay, this is actually approved. This is regulatory, regular, regulatorily approved. Is that even a word? No, it is it's approved. It can be. be. I'm just making up my own words here. <laughs> it's approved by the SEC and we're actually allowed to trade this thing and people can get into it. So I think, yes, it's, it's definitely, a, a, I agree with everything that he said there. And it's going to be really interesting to see just how much comes of that. Johnny, we are going to play the end of this video, but we got to draw a little comparison to what we saw last time. Last time, the biggest players in the space were who? That would be Crypto.com, who's still around, and FTX. FTX purchased Miami's arena. Sam Bankman-Fried was sponsoring Tom Brady, Steph Curry, Tiger Woods. You name the athlete. They were being endorsed by FTX. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because that was all that, – that is going to be looked at like – what's his name? Bernie Madoff, I guess. I guess he's our modern-day Bernie Madoff where – he had so much of other people's money that he was able to spread it around equally and disguise everything. And that's the exact same thing that happened in 2008. But the reason that I'm bringing it up is because think about what's going to happen this time around. What's the number one difference? Only one company IPO that was crypto based in the US. That would be Coinbase. This time, we're going to see Ripple. We are going to see Circle. And I guarantee there'll be another big player that comes in late in the game. But I don't want to speculate here. We're just talking facts. So with that being said, what's your opinion, Johnny? Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, they always say when you see companies spending money on stadiums, it's a bad sign, okay? It's not a good thing <laughs> that you see them crashing and going down. So we should have saw the early warning signs. The reality is you had a bunch of little little players in the space. It's different this time around. You have big boys. You got the play. You have the king of kings in the in the mark, you know, in the world of, of the markets playing in this space. 
wanted to bring it. And as you heard him say, $500 million to a billion dollars in fees. Of course, they're going to want a piece of this. And of course, there's going to be marketing. They're going to pump the shit out of this son bitch like they never pumped before. You're going to see this thing happen. We, it will happen, Abs. And um, and you'll see kind of a change. Now, that's where I think that's where it becomes a, you know, a nuance. Now we don't know. We, we know. we all know what the prior bull runs looked like. Everybody does. Everybody targets. Everybody looks at the charts because you got four four different bull runs and you got history of each one. But what you never had in any of those was all these big boys playing. It's a different game now, and I don't know if we're going to see the same thing. We're going to find out. But I can tell you this: the big boys never let what you think is going to happen happen. So just keep that in mind. Keep that in mind also when people are talking about black swans, right? Everybody talks about a black swan event, guys. That means it's unseen, so you can't predict it. The second it's predicted, it is not a black swan, just by definition. But, Mario, I did just want to get your opinion before the, we play the rest of the Pompliano video. Think about this. Do you think – Johnny said something very important. When a company buys a stadium, that's not a good sign. Well, here's what I'm going to be looking for this cycle. If Bitcoin is at 120000 and XRP is is – I don't know. Let's give fake numbers here. Say $4, and all of a sudden a ripple comes out in IPOs, I'm going to say that is my – 90-day calendar start of when I think the pullback will begin. The second I think we start seeing IPOs from those companies, and I know this might be a contrary opinion, so Ellie, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think that could be a very bearish sign for the market because they're going to capitalize on their assets being as valuable as possible during the IPO to get the highest evaluation. So that's what leads me to believe that. But what do you think, Mario? Is that a fair speculation? What's your take? I think it's fair. It's definitely what Coinbase did last uh, last cycle. We can, if we look back, we know that the kind of the top of the Bitcoin or the the almost the optimal place to to exit would have been when Coinbase IPO'd, or more specifically when Elon Musk went on SNL. But uh, I think that you know these uh, what we're like. I had a comment on uh, on the Bitcoin ETF, and it just slipped my mind right now after you asked me that question. That's okay. We can play <laughs> but, the uh, Pompliano video. I'll come back to you if you'd like. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do it, guys. And we got 717 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. A special thank you to Ellie for joining the show this morning and a happy 2024 to everybody out there. Here's Pompliano starting off on the right. Let's hear what he has to say. Here we go. Would you invest in a piece of the ETF or would you invest in BlackRock stock or ARK? Or perhaps GBTC? Well, GBTC is going to convert up just, you know, one for one there. So. Bitcoin has been an incredible asset. It's highly volatile. It goes up and it goes down a lot. But if you look over a long period of time, it continues to go up. And, you know, if you really think about it from a generational trade, there's every single generation has kind of one trade or one investment idea that tends to be the big winner. And I think that this generation has woken up to the idea that we have to debase the currency. We are going to continue to do that for decades to come. And so you're going to get into hard assets. Bitcoin historically has been the big winner there. It's up 170% last year. I think people believe it's going to go up a lot more in 2024 and beyond. But but let me just, you had just said that marketing and these will bring huge windfalls to the ARCs and the Black Rocks of the world. Yes. So why take your shot with something as volatile as Bitcoin? And instead, why not go into BlackRock stock or so you're saying, no, don't do the ARC stock and don't do the... You know. People are still going to do that stuff. I just think Bitcoin has outperformed those stocks historically, and I think it'll continue okay. to do for a long period of time. One thing people should remember is that when you buy the ETF, you're buying exposure to Bitcoin. You're not actually buying Bitcoin itself. And so then there gets into the constituency. Some people say, no, I want to own Bitcoin itself. I want to hold my private keys. I want to have that self-custody. But for a lot of people, they're not going to go sign up for a Coinbase account. They're not going to go figure out how to buy Bitcoin directly. And so this ETF right in their brokerage account, they're going to go and they're going to allocate Well, it opens the market to millions of retail investors who don't want to have to remember a 90 digit password or something and then you lose it and there you have it mario because think about it there's a learning curve but he said a lot there i'm gonna give you the open floor yeah 100 percent. look what he said is is spot on we we do need to make crypto easier for people to to get into and and the etf is definitely going to be a product that for um Kind of the people that have that are, that are a little bit I don't want to use the word older, but the people that are not so much into crypto or or have started with crypto, it's definitely going to be a uh, an investment with a smaller barrier. Now, what I wanted to add before was that I think it's I think it's um, the the timing of this Bitcoin ETF narrative is what's giving me the uh, feeling that it's it's going to get approved. I mean, besides obviously all the statistics that we've been discussing, but the fact that they're pushing this narrative at the beginning of the bull run or pre-Bitcoin uh, halving, 
tells me that they know exactly how this cycle works or how it's behaved in the past. So either they're preparing this really crazy black swan event that's going to rug the hell out of us or you know that that's exactly what they're doing they know how the cycle works they're launching this thing right now pre pre uh pre btc having and they want to get it in the hands of people and take advantage of the hype johnny they're calling them boomers in the chat but we got to keep it polite this morning because at the end of the day those are the people who are going to drive this market the second that they can get exposure without having to educate themselves i think every single person who's in their 55 and up category or 65 and up category is going to own a little bit of Bitcoin. I even had a friend who's from corporate America, never, never acknowledged Bitcoin came to me uh, a couple of weeks ago and goes, Oh, don't worry. I got a bunch now. I'm like, Oh, it's very convenient that when it's 45,000, you buy a bunch, but that putting that to the side, uh, I just want to hear your open take. Cause Papliano said a couple of things there. First of all, when they were talking about buying Bitcoin, did you hear the references that uh, she was using? She never referenced purchasing Bitcoin in and of itself. She said buy the GBTC, which is a direct convertible Bitcoin derivative, basically, right? Am I correct with that, Johnny? Yeah. So it's basically the same exact thing, but she never said go to Coinbase and buy Bitcoin because she knows the people who need to go through that learning curve, like I'm going to speak for my parents before I kick it to you. My parents have been invested in crypto for what, four or five years? They never logged into Coinbase. You know what I mean? So that's just the reality of the thing. A lot of people just have their their son, their cousin, their uncle, whoever's familiar with it. They handle it for the whole family. And I think that's what she understands. But I did just want to hear your take. We'll kick it to Ellie. First of all, let me just make sure I set the record straight. I'm a Gen Xer, okay? Not a boomer. But I will speak for the boomer <laughs> in this event here. You're right. Every single person in my family that's in crypto, every single one is in it other than one cousin. Because Well, actually, he is too. Because of me, I got in and set it up for them, right? None of them knew how to set up their accounts. It was too complicated. They tried it. They all failed. And like, Johnny, got to help me. So the reality is this is not an easy thing to get in. And as we launched Merlin, people are having a hard time even just setting up that. And it's simple, right? So the reality is this space is not, you know, and then she's talking about 90-digit passwords, right? She's actually talking about um, the address keys, you know, and things like that when you put it into transfer and move coins. But the reality is... It is a difficult space. It does have a steep learning curve. And no, no, none of the boomers are going to take the time. There will be a few, so I should say none. The ones who have already done it have done it. The ones who haven't aren't going to. What they're going to do is they know how to buy stocks. That's one thing boomers know how to do very, very well. And when the ETF comes, they are going to be putting their money, some of it, allocated into it. And that's what's going to help drive the price up. There's no question about it. They are now pomp is 100% spot on. They're going to buy the BTF. It gets some quick exposure. It's simple. It's easy. They know how to do it. And they trust the stock market. Way Johnny, more. what's the one thing that the boomers know how to buy better than stocks? Real estate, my friend. Yeah. They got the best real estate in the game. And a lot of them talk about purchasing houses really cheap and just holding it forever. That's what we're going to be as crypto investors. I think the 25, 35-year-olds, 45-year-olds today who are buying Bitcoin, buying Ethereum, and yeah, we talk about exit plans, but I just mean securing it for the long term. Imagine what a Bitcoin is going to be worth in 20 years. If if the system survives and everything continues to, to trend the way it is, Bitcoin is going to be a ridiculous price target. And it'll definitely be more than the average home. We got 733 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Ellie, we talked way too much. So I'm going to give you the open floor and just get your opinion. Pompliano talked about institutional demand, all the incentives for them to launch these products. But what do you think about what we've just broke down? Do you think that Older people having access without having to go through the educational curve is going to be a massive difference in this bull run. Absolutely. And I actually said this the other day, like you said, Johnny, there is a big learning curve for crypto, right? When I got involved reporting crypto, this was in 2021, I realized there was a steep learning curve for trying to understand the technology behind it. It wasn't just something that I could come in and say, oh, this is easy. I'm going to pick it up in, in you know, a couple of days or a couple of weeks. So I actually took the time to do a Bitcoin course. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, Bitcoin course, cryptocurrency, everything through Oxford, just to kind of give me that 30,000 foot overview of, of what the technology actually was about, because that's important. I can't talk about it if I don't really understand the basics. But I think that is the difference between people our age and then, you know, boomers, Gen Xers, people who are more sort of inclined to use technology, understand the technology more. And so if you don't have to learn it and if there's another method that works just as well, if not better, in your opinion, then they're going to stick with that. And, and that has been stocks, bonds, real estate, 
you know, historically uh, for, for those older folks. But now you've got, it's not just easy to be able to buy it. It's also safe because if you think about the publicity that crypto has gotten over the last few years, especially in the last year or two, especially with, with FTX and, and all the negative headlines, crypto is historically volatile, but also it's gotten some bad press, rightly so, um, you know, with people like SBF floating around. So people who aren't as familiar with it are going to look at it and say, mm, like it's a risky asset, it's speculative, you know, I could make a quick buck, but in the long term, am I really going to think of it as part of my portfolio? But now with these Bitcoin spot ETFs potentially getting approved, you've got the SEC signing off on it, you've got lawmakers signing off on it essentially. So that provides reassurance, I think, for people who before were like, oh, it's just a, it's just a speculative asset that's fleeting. It's not here to stay. I think this really does establish it as part of the the public's investing future. And there's a lot that you said there, Ellie, but let's just cover our bases because first of all, somebody brought up something important and I read this article this morning. The BlackRock seed funding round is just $10 million. Is that a red herring? I thought it would be much higher. The seed funding round is not nearly as important as the actual launch. And I think that you'd be, you can break that down fairly well, right, Ellie? I'm sorry. Sorry, I, I didn't see the comment. What was it? So BlackRock seed funding round is $10 million and they're calling it a low number. But when you look at other companies, they're like, you only need about 600,000 anyway. So it's not, this $10 million number is not a red herring, which is what this person's calling it. These numbers no. are typically low in a seed funding round. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's pretty traditionally stands accurate with, with how it's been in the past or, you know, with others like this. So yeah, I don't think, you know, that necessarily means anything negative or, or it's a red herring. Yeah. And I've also seen seen funding rounds for, I believe, ARC that are much lower. I think it's like 1.2 million. So don't pay too much attention to this initial seed funding round. Second thing is this person commented, I'm 62 and in crypto since 2017. The whole process isn't easy. And I completely agree. It has nothing to do with age. We're using generalities. And you always get in trouble when you use generalities. It's just a fact. It's very difficult. But when we talk about the boomers, there is a an educational curve. A lot of those people didn't get an iPhone until they were in their senior citizenship over the 60 year age. So a lot of us grew up with iPhones. We grew up with social media. It's very easy for us to integrate into exchanges and go through that simple 10-minute learning process. But if you're not familiar, it is intimidating. Not only do they want your personal information, which a lot of boomers do not want to share their license. They don't want to share their house, their information. But also, you need to go to a trusted website, and they're not even sure they can find the trusted website. So like, even when using Google, I know this sounds crazy, but I help my grandparents, everybody, even when using Google, they're not sure which link to click. So it's like, because they're paid ads. And so they're worried that they're going to click on the wrong thing, submit their information on the wrong site and lose all their money, which is a legitimate consequence right now. So there is a learning curve. And I think we broke that down efficiently, Ellie. But let's just talk about this for one last time before we move on, because we got a lot of new listeners joining us this morning. This is breaking news from Ellie. The SEC government is holding meetings today with the exchanges NASDAQ, CBOE and the New York Stock Exchange to finalize comments on the 19B-4 submitted by the Bitcoin spot ETF issuers. So. A lot of people are leading us to believe that we could see an approval by the end of January. We showed the contrary report. Just for anybody who's just joining the show, what was your opinion on the breaking news? My opinion. Gotcha. Sorry, sorry. Um, so I, you know, I held a call with a source before I came on with you guys. And I, this is where I got the, the information that I tweeted out about. But we, our point of the call was to talk about the report that came out this morning from Matrixport which is a small fintech firm located in Singapore that came out with a research report that said basically there's there's a chance that this Bitcoin spot ETF will get denied by the SEC based on the makeup of the SEC commission. It's a five-member commission. There's three Democrats, two Republicans. And if you think about it, everything to do with crypto, at least coming from the SEC commission, you've got the Democrats who are tend to lean towards negative stands on crypto. And then you've got Mark Ueda and Hester Peirce, who are the Republicans who tend to lean a little bit more positive, especially Hester Peirce. She's been very vocal about uh, dissenting uh, to her Democratic colleagues over crypto um, uh, law enforcement uh, enforcement cases, right? So based on the makeup, this research report said, you know, there's no reason for the SEC commission to approve a Bitcoin spot ETF right now. But everything that we've heard from the issuers, from sources inside the SEC, seems to point towards that that it's coming. We might not know the dates exactly. There's definitely speculation on, on the timeline. My sources are telling me a potential approval by the end of this week with trading launching, you know, either next week or the week after. But 
it could all change in the blink of an eye, right? The SEC could decide they need another week or another two weeks. It's it's all at the behest of the SEC at this point. So while we don't really know the exact timeline, I'm fairly confident based on my reporting, based on conversations I've had, that this is sort of in the final stages now. That's crazy, Ellie. It really is. Think about it, guys. We've waited for almost, what, seven, eight years, Mario, we've been hearing about this, and we are maybe a week away from seeing spot products approved in the USA. But let's break down the new tax policies, or at least the alleged policies that came out from the IRS, guys. New crypto tax reporting obligations took effect on January 1st. If you receive 10000 or more in crypto, you now have the obligation to report the transaction to the IRS within 15 days under the threat of a felony charge. Now, I'm going to read this second tweet before I kick it to Ellie here because that initial tweet was slightly misleading, and we're going to break it down, but here's the, the follow-up. This is the 6050i law that Coin Center challenged in federal court and our cases and appeals. Unfortunately, for the time being, there is an obligation to comply, but it's unclear how one can comply. The existing laws form for cash transactions isn't applicable here, and there are many unanswered questions like, what if you receive funds from a block reward or a DEX transaction? And me personally, I was even thinking about an airdrop, Ellie. So if I received an airdrop, would I now have to report this? Now, I know exactly what you're going to say, so I'm going to give you the open floor. I initially read this differently because of the way he phrased that tweet. I thought it was any transaction over 10,000 needed to be reported. That is not the case. And that's what Ellie's going to break down. So I'm going to give you the floor and, and then I'll chime in. Right. So from what I gathered from this, if transactions over 10,000, if I was going to send you 10,000 worth of whatever coin, Abs or Johnny or Mario. Um, but what I, I, I believe it's it's if you're involved or if you're associated with with a business entity, I'm not quite sure that it would just be like on an individual basis. The point I'm trying to make here, I've you know I've read I've read that filing, I've read the the lawsuit brought by I believe it's Coin Center or or the pushback brought by Coin Center. Um, it's very murky language, and that is something we've been dealing with in crypto for ever, right? I mean, murky seems to be how the government works, whether it's the SEC, whether it's Congress, whether it's the IRS, it's designed to kind of not give you the the most insight to, you know, to make a mistake or not, right? So um, when I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, hmm, like, you know, does this apply to airdrops? Like, how does this uh, affect DeFi? You know, am I going to be in violation of the law if I don't report, you know, something I you know, completely forgot about that I did, you know, last year on December 4th, like it's, it's meant to be confusing. And I think that is something we need to, I think coin center is pushing back with their, with their suits is saying, you know, they're, this is a bit of an overreach by the IRS. Um, and also it's just very unclear, but it's just, it's, it's standard at this point, right? It's the government trying to, um, to take control of this thing, but in a murky way so that people don't really understand what's going on. So we definitely need clarity. And I think the other thing here, aside from the murkiness, it's, um, I, I feel like this angle is going a little bit unreported. The fact that this new law or this new whatever rules that are going into effect that went into effect January 1st are going to require crypto companies to aggregate, to collect the personal information of their users, the addresses, the social security numbers. And that's that's a little scary, right? Because these some of these crypto small crypto companies, crypto um, associations don't have the infrastructure to to hold this kind of data. I mean, the IRS itself has had data breaches. The SEC has had data breaches. So you're trusting the the companies, the small companies, to to collect this information and keep it. With it. companies like this have been hacked in the past, right? The IRS has been hacked in the past. So there's there's concern over the privacy angle of this too, people having access to social security numbers and transactions and financial data. It's just so, sort of seems like another invasive attempt by the IRS to keep an eye on people's financial records. And you've got that worry about potential hacks as well. So I'm curious to know what you guys would think about that, but I feel like that angle hasn't really been picked up too much and curious to know what you think. Johnny, uh, uh, here's my perspective, right? And I'm going to kick it straight to you is the fact that I think I agree with Ellie wholeheartedly. Like it's, it is somewhat of a power grab because of this specific caveat. You can't even comply. They only have paperwork for cash transactions and they want you to fill out crypto documents. That's what doesn't make sense to me. It's like, okay, if they were going to provide a new framework, a new whole process, maybe a new team, I believe it. I don't even believe it. I think it's complete BS for lack of a better word. And I'd like to hear your opinion. Now, Ellie, I'm not as elegant as you. That's why I use BS. 
But at the end of the day, you called it what it is. It's a power grab because they're not providing the correct framework. That's my big, big, uh, big problem, I guess I would say. But Johnny, what's your take? It's not a power grab. It's a tax grab. They don't want to lose the revenue. That's all this is. At the end of the day, <laughs> the big boys want to make sure people are paying their taxes. And most people have been able to avoid paying taxes with crypto. And so the, one of the ways you avoid it is you force a reporting. They do the same thing with if businesses try to, if you spend over $600 in business, or if you pay somebody over $600, you have to report any one of those. You have to 1099 that person or that company when you're in business. This is no different. It's a similar concept to what they already have in place of the 1099 rule. So you have to 1099 anybody over $600 spend. And in this case here, why do they do that? Because they want to make sure people are paying taxes. That's all it is. This is so to me, and you asked my opinion, I believe that's what this is all about. This is to make sure that everybody understands that if you're going to make a payment, you are going to report it to the IRS. Now, what's interesting is, a 1099, you don't have to report to the end of the year the $600 rule. The fact that they wanted it 15 days, I think because, you know, maybe they want to make it difficult on crypto transactions. They probably want to limit them and minimize them for that reason because they don't trust it, don't like it. Whatever it is, it's new, all that kind of stuff. It will eventually over time, that'll probably change and it'll just go to, my guess, the same kind of concept of a 1099. But it is interesting that they are pushing it very hard, very strong. And like Ellie said, it's very vague. They do that on purpose because when it's vague, it's easier for them to police because they can just say, oh, yeah, this is what we meant. I want to bring up, too, I, I, I meant to mention this, but I couldn't remember the exact number. I just looked it up. There was a report that came out in 2022 when we were just starting to get really serious about, I guess, the IRS reporting and, oh, the IRS is actually going to crack down on crypto transactions. The IRS may be missing out on $50 billion a year in unpaid crypto taxes. So, yes, so, like you said, it's a, it's a tax grab. It's a, it is. They, they don't want to miss it on that revenue. That's a lot of flipping money. Exactly. Well, Mario, mystery solved. This was, a, this was a quick and easy find right here. But I think the reality is I'm going to throw a side comment before I kick it to you. Is like yeah. one of the hardest things about growing up is you think like, all right, make 100 grand, right? So you're like, I made 100,000. And then all of a sudden you're, you pay your taxes. Now you're down to like 69, let's call it. But then you go to CVS and they take 7%. You go to Whole Foods, they take 6%. And that for go. me, I just learned that like two or three years ago. So I always thought tax was like, and, and I know this might be so simple and it might sound a little uneducated, but that's the reality of it, guys. I think a lot of people when they first start paying their own bills are like, my goodness, I didn't realize you pay tax on almost every transaction and at the end of the year. So I don't know. I think the whole the whole thing is a little bit, uh, let's not go too crazy. I don't want to get shadow banned, but floor is yours, Mario. Yeah, I'll give a perspective from a consumer, like consumer side. So like I have a business and we 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 have a service. And so long story short, we have to do a, a certification every year around AML laws. And right now there's it exists already where if you transact over $10,000, the business that's facilitating that transaction for the consumer has to do certain reportings. And we have to collect certain information. So all I see from that piece of news is I just see being crypto being tied into those same laws. Now, unfortunately, the problem is they weren't, they didn't go into detail. And they that it just shows me again that they continue to not really understand crypto. And because if they understood crypto, they would be a little bit more specific with uh, the things that we've discussed as you know, airdrops, so on and so forth. I think at some point we could we could potentially see is exchanges being enforced to do these kinds of reportings for the consumer. Right now, they're kind of putting it in the consumer's hands. But once they see that consumers are going to be uh, confused and not really know what to do, they might end up forcing exchanges to report these transactions the same way that they require merchants who transact more than $10,000 in, in cash or whatever other method. I mean, let's just move on because I'm getting disappointed and sad reading this story, Johnny. Let's go on to a new one. And Ellie, I'm excited to get your take on this because this is something we broke down in mid-December, but it's worth addressing again on the show. Stuart Alderati, the lead lawyer for Ripple, tweeted this out on December 22nd of 2023. He said, before the SEC sued Ripple, Chris Larson, and Brad Garlinghouse, they offered us the following settlement. The SEC would announce to the market that XRP is a security and the market would be given a short window to come into compliance. We said no. First of all, XRP is not a security. Second, the SEC never built a framework for crypto compliance, very similar to what we just read in that other document. No matter the spin that Jay Clayton, Bill Hinman, or Gary Gensler, or anyone else puts on this case now, it has always been about one thing, 
proving that XRP is not in and of itself a security. We put everything on the line. Few thought that we would win, but we did. And in the process, we exposed the SEC for their hypocritical tyrant that it is. And the industry in the U.S. lived to fight another day. Onward into 2024, guys. And we already got 780 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. A special thank you to Ellie for joining us this morning. But Ellie, I think this really just exposes the playbook for the SEC. I think they were trying to regulate the market by enforcement. People debated it. Now, I don't even think this is up for debate. This document really does speak for itself. I'm going to leave it on the screen. But what's your initial response to this? Is this a surprise for you? Is this typical? What's your reaction? I actually, until you told me about this prior to show, I hadn't seen this tweet. So I'm curious. First of all, I'm curious how many likes it actually got because yeah. that's quite a bombshell right there from Stuart Alderati. I didn't know anything about the potential settlement that they offered in the first place. And the fact that they even said, we'll, we'll give these retail investors, we'll give your institutional investors time to you know come into compliance. If you say that XRP is a security, that's basically like bribing in a sense, right? Like, we'll, we'll let you off the hook. We'll let these investors off the hook if you, at the end of the day, you know, come on to come into our way of thinking. So he says, and he does say in there, right? He says, we put everything on the line. They sure, sure certainly did. And it turned out that they exposed what the SEC was, was trying to do. I believe that Ripple was somewhat of a guinea pig in this experiment, right? I mean, because you've had, you couldn't really, you know, go after the Bitcoin people because you're not going to go after Satoshi Nakamoto because you don't know who that is. You, you know, clearly Hinman has having meetings with the, with the Ethereum guys. And so, you know, who's number three in the market at that point? It's Ripple. Let's use them to, to make an example, right? So that is a very strong statement from, from Stuart. Um, you know, all I can say is that, yeah, they 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 showed the SEC that XRP is is not involved. Well, I mean, through through the courts at the end of the day, and and they got a judge to to see that what they were saying was was correct. But they really did set a standard. If you if you look at anything else, any other lawsuits that have brought the the Coinbase lawsuit, the Binance lawsuit, the uh, the Grayscale lawsuit, they're they're using language from Judge Torres's. Judge Torres's ruling, right, about how a token itself is not a security in and of itself. It all depends on how it's transacted and, you know, if it's marketed or not. We saw that with the with Judge Rakoff coming out with the the Terraform um, in the Terraform case. A lot of people were drawing parallels at in the beginning between Torres and Rakoff and the two uh, Ripple and Terraform labs, but totally different, 100% different. One was even like fraudulent, right? The SEC was accusing Terraform of, of being fraudulent. They never accused Ripple and Brad and Chris of, of any kind of fraud. It was always to do with the nature of the sales of XRP. You got this whole marketing campaign behind, um, you know, with Doquan and with Terraform Labs. So I think basically, yes, what Stuart Alderati did was was lay out this is this was our plan. We took a chance, we won, and now we've set an example for the entire crypto industry. Well, Johnny, here's what's really I guess it's not surprising, but it's kind of glaring to me. It really sticks out in this article is that he talked about three SEC commissioners and three separate ones. And so the question that I have for you is what's more likely that these three powerful players just came to these opinions and they both and they all ended up being here? Or do you think that they're just figureheads? In the WWE, this is Logan Paul versus Hulk Hogan here. What's more likely in Johnny's perspective? Nah, you got here. I'll just, I won't even have to say it. I'll just show you the photo. I mean, you already know the answer, but the reality is, you know, we all better just be thankful that Ripple had the money and was willing to spend $200 million to protect the industry because that's what they did. They single handedly saved the space by fighting it because had they not and they had they accepted that deal. Pretty much, I talked to Freddie Raspoli about this last week when we had him on the show. Um, pretty much had they accepted the deal that would have really cemented the space or everybody, all these industries or all these cryptos have to come out and report as a security and doing that's a nightmare. Um, so the reality is this really, really was, was a bold move by them. It cost them a shit ton of money, but they really believed in what they had and they believed in what they had done was right and they didn't do anything wrong. And they didn't, they didn't believe this was security. And obviously, Judge Torres didn't either. So now what we're going to get, though, is a segmented, fragmented. We're going to get judges all over the place ruling, independent rulings. And then at some point, if we get too many of these from, from different districts or circuit courts, 
those nine circuit courts in the U.S. If we get different rulings, one saying it is security, one saying it's not a security, and we start getting differing opinions, that's what then triggers it to go to the Supreme Court. And that's where we're going to potentially head up if we get other rulings and other districts that oppose what um, Judge Torres came up with. Then we're going to end up seeing this thing. You, you know, one or two things that happens at that point. You either go to the Supreme Court or Congress does their job. If they do their job and they create the world, rules and laws and regulations, then we don't have to go to the Supreme Court. It becomes obvious what it is. And that's that's the question that everybody's waiting for is when will we get regulation from Congress? We've been waiting for it for four years. We've been hearing about it. They talk about it all the time. We know this bill is floating around out there. There's anti-faction crypto bill. There's a pro-crypto bill out there. And, and yet all you just keep hearing about is they're out there and they're being discussed and they talk and they talk and they talk. And they keep talking, but we don't get no action. And that's not good for this industry. We need the regulation so the industry can, can thrive and continue to innovate in the space. And until you get the regulation, some of that makes it murky. And that's why you see a lot of these companies going overseas. They're going to where they have clarity at. They're going to Hong Kong. They're going to Singapore. They're going to Dubai. Why? Because those guys are making it clear what is and isn't what they can and can't do. We have not done that here. And that's a problem. Thank you so much, Johnny. And we got a glitch in the matrix right now, guys. We are over 1,000 live listeners and they're all joining us, Ellie. So show us some love, smash that like button. And I want to say thank you to every single one of you for joining us. Happy New Year to every single one of you as well. But Ellie, we got to close out the show. And I think there's so much that we got to talk about today. When we look at 2024, there's a couple of big catalysts on the horizon. We got IPOs, we got the ETF, we got to possible regulation. And we know if regulation comes, stablecoin will be the first thing addressed. So in your perspective, what catalyst do you think will impact the market most out of those things that I just laid out? Well, since we talked about the Bitcoin spot ETF being a little bit priced in, I'm not sure if that's going to be like the giant catalyst, right? Although we should probably see some, some moves upwards. I do think a lot will rest on the potential for moving forward with the, those bills, those crypto bills that we saw last year introduced by the House, the obviously the crypto market structure bill, also the stablecoin bill, bill. So there was some question whether it was going to be addressed last year. Obviously, the year got away from us. There was some debt ceiling drama, which is actually about to come back uh, in the next couple of weeks as well. So, you know, we've got an entire year ahead of us to, to readdress those bills and an election coming up. It's going to be a very interesting year with just a lot of headlines and I think a lot of volatility. But um, hopefully, like I said in the beginning, a little bit more to the positive side, especially more than 2022 and 2023. Hopefully we really are on the on the cup of that of that bull market run. Thank you so much, guys. And we got over a thousand live listeners here. This is the evidence that I want to close the show out on because it's so important to just provide the perspective. We talked about a pullback on the ETF news because that's what happened with gold. But when we look at this price chart, Johnny, it almost doesn't even show up. That's how insignificant it was. This was the news. This was the pullback. And it really, really, or sorry, this one right here. And it's less than a blip on the chart. So gold went from $325 to just below two grand in a seven year period after the ETF launch. Do I think we'll see something similar with, with Bitcoin? Absolutely. Because it's a simple game. Supply and demand. When in doubt, zoom out, guys. And the most important thing that you can do during times like this is have a plan. Have a plan to lock in profits when prices go up. Because Johnny, we always make the joke about this. Are you an XRP investor? You can check the scars on my back. Because at the end of the day, if you held some of these assets and didn't end up taking a profit, it doesn't matter. If your portfolio does a 10X and you don't lock in any profits, it's insignificant. That's why you got to check out Merlin. We created this application so our listeners can create an exit plan and lock in profits during a bull run. Check it out 30 days, absolutely free. And it's the first link down below. But I did just want to address the stellar price chart really quickly before we end it here, Johnny. A lot of negativity in the, and we have a lot of people in the stellar community, Ellie, just so you know, there's a lot of negativity in the short-term price action of this project, but I just want to remind people how it operated during 2021. We saw an explosion basically come out of nowhere. And the way that these altcoins move is money goes from Bitcoin to Ethereum to the major altcoins. That's what I think we're going to see this time around, Johnny. So it's very important when you're looking at the stellar price chart, keep in mind the massive ranges of liquidity, 24 cents, 40 cents, and an all-time high of about 85 cents that was set in May of 2021. Have an exit plan, be prepared for massive price action, and don't be surprised when projects like these seemingly skyrocket out of nowhere. So Johnny, we got about 30 seconds. Why don't you just close this out? I think you, you nailed it perfectly. You showed the charts. You showed the price points, the realities. These things go up, and they're going to come crashing down on the backside, guys. I'm thankful 
Abza. We had created spreadsheets back in the 2021 bull run, and we were able to take some exits. Didn't take enough. I wish I'd done more, but now I have no excuse. We created Merlin. It sends you alerts automatically. You build your exit plan, Abs. You can even show the exit tool there. But what's great about it is it forces you. It forces you to, to, to change your mindset, to say, oh, I need to build an exit plan. And you do it now while you're not emotionally involved. Because when the market's pumped, let me tell you, everybody thinks it's exciting. It's not. It's extremely stressful when you're trying to decide, do I sell? Do I get out? You know, what do I do? You don't want to make rash decisions. But if you plan this ahead of time and you start looking at Fibonacci levels and things like that, you can create a really solid exit plan. And if you follow it, I guarantee you're going to come out on the other side making money, not losing money. Absolutely, guys. And this is the value of an exit plan we're showing right here. It shows you what your profits will be, what your taxes will be, and exactly where you're going to be if you hit your price targets. But we got 935 live listeners joining us. I want to say a special thank you to Ellie for joining us this morning. Show us some love. Smash that like button. A happy new year to every single one of you. Ellie, special thank you. I wish you nothing but the best this new year, and I hope to connect soon. We love you guys. We'll see you in 23 hours. And like we always say, 